Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to the AEW Dynamite Review. We are the Dudley Boys of What Culture. I'm Adam Wilborn, joined by Michael Hamlet and Michael Sidgwick here to review everything that happened on last night's episode of AEW Dynamite. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and YouTube, uh, where we do daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review AEW Dynamite, but also AEW Collision, Raw, SmackDown, the show formerly known as NXT 2.0. Oh! Pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete. We'll make a quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. As I said, though, joined by Hamlet and Sidgwick to review AEW Dynamite. Homecoming! Uh, what a great show this was, Sid. Uh, was this show a farmyard animal in the past tense? Uh, because it was goaded. <laughs> It was, it was class. Really it was class. I've said this before when we did our big deep dive about AEW, yes. which was entitled The Turning Point. Oh, yes. Mm. It will take, for me personally, your mileage may vary, etc. I need a good three months yeah. of really good, gripping, compelling, more importantly, reassuring television where I can finally get the feeling and luxuriate in the feeling and think, you know what? The next three months are going to be great as well. We're in happy town. Mm. That's when I think... <laughs> that's when I think, oh, the power's back. Yes, the power can't be back after a Continental Classic in, what, three strong episodes of television in mm-hmm. 2024. But that crazed energy was back. That Daily's Place, let's say, let's face it, magic was back. Beautiful backdrop. The way in which, you know... I don't know, it just like between the Sting Party match, that vintage dynamite opener, a beautiful bit of Daly's Place. We've got a big, huge, beautiful canvas that we've barely explored. Let's use it. Creativity cropped up in a, in a segment deeper in the night as well. The energy was back. The vibe, again, the power will take months. Yeah, not to, to focus on negativity, but the reason why we hold AEW as a standard where sometimes they'll say, oh, these boys are being so bloody negative, is because no, it's bloody capable of this sort of show. Yeah, really enjoy it. Like two, like two Dynamites, two good shows in mm-hmm. a row. Um, I didn't think the run into World 10 was like as bad as people say, but Continental, ignoring the Continental Classic, maybe I should yeah. say the run leading up to the Continental Classic because that was definitely a period where people became more positive about AEW. <laughs> I wasn't as low on it as others. But I can acknowledge the difference in quality between first those Continental Classic episodes to the ones before, 
and these to the Continental Classic Dynamites, especially. Um, I, I just two out of two. Just I like more of the characters. I don't. I've got a good feeling about the direction with the majority of the stories. I wasn't as high. I said truthfully on this, I like I wasn't leaping out my chair at anything on this show. There wasn't a uh, Darby and Takeshita. Christ Almighty, this could be the best wrestling I see this year, and it's only January. Feel into any of this? Had a nice time, and mm. I think you want like they can't all be tens, but you want dynamite. This to wasn't always, a ten, no, but you want it dynamite was to always be a seven or eight, and shoot for the ten. Yeah. Mm. It was probably a better eight than some of the eights last year, if that makes any sense. Mm. When there was a lot of really great wrestling, but there was just something underneath. It just feels like there's a sense of priorities mm. that are coming to the fore that are the right way to do things. Let's dive straight into it then, because like you say, it started with that awesome opener. Uh, Hangman Page versus Claudio Castagnoli. Page attacks right at the bell. I've seen him walk out on that Daily's place. Well, it's just different, isn't it? Yeah. Um, he attacks at the bell. Gravy. They go to the floor, <laughs> send each other into the barricade. Eventually, Claudio pulls Page down by the hair when he goes up top and uh, gets him into the giant swing and into the sharpshooter. Uh, Page eventually escapes, hits a sort of desperation Death Valley driver. Um Page hit his fallaway slam, springboard clothesline, goes out to the floor, takes a sip of a fan's beer, but the uh, delay there allows Claudio to recover, and he catches him with this preposterous gorilla press out the ring onto the stage to take us to a break. Almost head first. Yeah. Almost head first. Uh, when we come back, they are fighting in the entranceway, slugging it out. Page hits a running clothesline to send Claudio back into the ring. Um, he attempts a buckshot. He already attempted one already. This time when he attempts it, it's counted into a pop-up uppercut from Claudio for a near fall. Who could have called that? I was just going to say, who could have called that? Um, followed by that was Claudio sort of toying with him, which just wound him up. There's that great visual you probably saw doing the rounds on Twitter this morning. They go out to the floor. Paige wants a moonsault off the apron, but Claudio catches him with a running power slam into a wall. Uh, he tries it again, but Paige counters into a DDT and manages to hit that moonsault off the stage. Uh, Claudio catches another dive when they go back inside. Paige gets out of it and hits a tombstone for a two count. Castagnoli wants the neutralizer. Page counters into a dead eye. Page wants another springboard clothesline, but Claudio hits him with an uppercut in midair. Um, both men go to the ropes. Castagnoli wants an avalanche, a Ricola bomb, but Page turns into a midair hurricane runner. Two bookshot lariats. One, two, three. Absolutely bloody loved this. I thought it was a tremendously built wrestling match and a vibe all at once. And there was some really deep thinking here that went beyond what this was at its core, a really cool shootout with big bombs thrown in either direction. So I loved initially how, like, Hangman Page is a burly, Magnum TA-bodied mm. powerhouse guy, very explosive, but he's up against, as we say all the time, in the words of Kevin Owens, the human horse, Claudio Castagnoli. As such, Hangman very early just tries to... Steal one in a good way, in a kind of a Bret Hartian way, where with a, he tries to do these flash pinning combinations. Mm -hmm. He knows he can't really topple this guy without a hell of a struggle, so he thinks, I'll try and out-wrestle this horse that I am wrestling. <laughs> um, and that doesn't work. He kind of gets battered. He gets swung about at uh, Castagnoli's mercy. And then when he grows into it, I, I, I don't think I've ever seen well, I have. That's like recency bias. It means I'm alive and not <laughs> dead inside, right? I struggle to remember a better segue to a commercial break because Hangman Page channeling January to February 2020 takes a beer from a ringside fan and Tony Schiavone reflects my own nostalgia and crows about, oh, it takes me back and it takes me back. 
And then Claudio almost decapitates him <laughs> with that disgusting move onto that makeshift ramp. And then we go to commercial with the idea being, it's not really homecoming for you, Adam. This is a fight. And you're going to have to, you know, come back harder and enter a really great performance to win it. I hope he does after the break. What a great hook that yeah. is. Great, great hook. Great subversion of how easy and nice it was going to be. No, it's not. Look at Claudio. He's the human horse. Hmm. Then it goes into the shootout. It's a very well-worked one. Like, the recall a bomb um, reversal is fantastic. That's what you want out of a match between these two wrestlers. And again, you kind of see this match all the time. I think in an arena, it's obviously a great match, but it's better in Daly's place. Quite frankly, everything's better in Daly place. Daly's place. <laughs> that wonderful, like so aesthetically pleasing, but it's also like it's perfect for wrestling. It's like that configuration of the venue allows for just something a little bit different. There's something a little bit different about this place. That's the uh, Eli Drake promo in it. Uh, that extra set of seats right next to the ring with that concrete ramp. You can do a moonsault off that. You can do stuff off that. You can do scorpion death drop off that. <laughs> it's just awesome that that exists. Um, so I love the moonsault off there and the way they built that spot. It felt like an opportunity had presented itself to Paige. It's like, I can hit him off with a moonsault off that. Mm. It's like, I don't, don't see that in rubbish regular arenas, actually. So please do that. Then the finish was great. The double book shot. It's one of those tricks, isn't it? Either do an avalanche variation of your finish or you do it twice mm -hmm. just to make sure the person who's getting beaten, it's like a distant signal of like, Take them seriously after the fact. Take, it took a lot to put that one away. So the next time you watch Claudio, you're probably going to expect him to win. It's not that cut and dry. There was a lot of thought, a mm. lot of just explosiveness, a lot of great wrestling, a wonderful backdrop. Ah, Daly's Place. They didn't build it for the express purpose of wrestling, but wrestling just belongs there so yeah. much it's weird. Reminds me, it's funny, I'm going to do a Twin Peaks reference here. You wouldn't <laughs> believe it. They wrote the script, the pilot script for Twin Peaks, which in a trivia note, um, it was originally under the working title of Northwest Passage before they changed it to Twin Peaks, I guess, to say the duality of the show and all the themes. And then they wrote the pilot script with, like, the Twin Peaks, the mountains, and then, like, the waterfall. And then they scouted locations um, in and around the Pacific Northwest. Then they went to Snoqualmie, Washington, and the place they'd written down and the pilot script just materialized in front of them in that town. That's awesome. Ah. So wrestling has <laughs> done the same thing with Daly's Place. They've created the perfect wrestling promotion at its best, and Daly's Place, its spiritual home, is like purpose-built to do awesome wrestling, even though it wasn't at the same time. I'm an incurable, incurable elite mark when this promotion is at its hottest and just everything felt right in this open. One day we'll have to get you to do a pilgrimage to Daly's Place. Yes. Where would I prefer to go? North, uh, North Bend... Washington, which is where the location filming was, actually, or Jacksonville, Florida. I'll do both one time. You hardcore, you'll take them both. I'm Tommy Dreamer. <laughs> uh, no, 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 Tommy Dreamer. <laughs> Nobody wants to be Tommy Dreamer. Uh, I thought the finish here was it not a bit of foreshadowing as well? Because didn't Paige win the title with this double book shot, and then later on he would go to state his intent? Oh, that's even better. Again. It's uh, even freaking better than I thought. Like, I thought after the way that played out, it's like this is how I put down people to win that top prize. Hangman Page is back. Oh my god! The back of the I'm, beer drinking. I'm, oh my god! In your analysis. Oh my god! And the work. Yeah, that's good because I wasn't, to be honest. I liked it though. It was like, this was like a dream. Was match. Was it, should you, if, what if Hangman Page wore like a, um, I don't know. I want the white opposite palette swap 
tights. Yeah. Like, close in blood and guts, but not yet. Yeah. What if, right, ahead of this match, they filmed a skit. <laughs> I'm listening. Where <laughs> Hangman Page yeah. was, like, down at the ranch being a cowboy again in his spare time because he's got an occupational gimmick, right? And then he starts to, you know, muck a horse. Keep talking. Okay. And then he starts having a bit of a fight with a horse yeah. and buckshots the horse uh-huh. and then says, if you know what I can do with a real horse, a human horse like you, Claudio Castagnoli, no bother. I will see you in Jacksonville. Counter offer. Like is that it. better than the match, is it? I like it, but one, t- one little tiny tweak, one little editing note. Invisible camera. No, uh, he slips on a bit of poo just as he's walking out. Counter offer. I'm on page of Cowboy anyway, so he does mucking out, mucking out with his standard day-to-day thing when he's not trained to be a wrestler. And he's mucking out, and he's cracking on, and he slips on poo, and then like he gets a kick from his horse. Twist. He's been mucking out Cesaro. Whoa. And uh, now that's why they have to have the match. Claudio, excuse me. That's why they have to have the match. Because he's like, he did a terrible job of mucking out. No, no, the match was really good. Like, the dream... <laughs> like, I, what I was going to say was, in relation to, like, me not being as high as on Cedric, but really enjoying it nonetheless... This played out like a dream match between two wrestlers I don't really dream about. Like, this is the... I perfect, dream about Adam Page. This is the perfect version of, like, I, I was glad to just, like, highlight the way, the way they built this and what Hangman Page tried to do before he had to do other things and the things that Claudio did to counter the things that Hangman did. I really, really love the structure of this. It made me... Again, I wasn't doing backflips off. Like, I didn't feel the excitement, but it had me leaning in. It really did. And honestly, there just aren't... When people talk about the feeling in AEW, I think it's really hard to articulate. We've hit up on this before. It's because there's a lot of different things people want from AEW. There's a lot of different ways the feeling is captured. And truthfully, I don't think there's many matches that Tony Khan can show me, graphics that give me the feeling. It's got to happen within the match itself. I didn't get the feeling as a lot of people did when they saw Hangman Page versus Claudio. I understand why they would. Neither wrestler is so much to my taste that when you put those two together, it's like, oh my God, I've never even thought how much I want that. Then the wrestlers wrestled their way into making me think it by Mm. the end. And yeah, I thought the finish was really nicely done based on what we got later. It's like a lot of this dynamite was that, like road to recovery stuff. Mm. Good good in that way rather than the excitement fireworks way. Uh, we follow that with uh, a wonderful video package, package tinged with all the sadness package. that comes, comes with uh, the, the passing of the late great Brody Lee. Um, obviously, the two uh, eight-person tag matches are going to happen with Prodigies, Preston Vance and Anna Jay. Um, and that was led into the uh, the first of those with uh, Orange Cassidy, Adam Copeland, Dustin Rhodes and Preston Vance taking on Lance Archer, Brian Cage and uh, the Gates of Agony, Tony Leona and Bishop Khan. Um yeah, just a load of fun, this, wasn't it, as, as, as anticipated? Yeah, I wish I'd wrote down who said this, because I'd never thought about this until, like, watching these matches. Somebody on X made the point that um, it's, it was quite nice to have eight-man tags, and you saw it sort of feels like you're doing down the women's one, but it did accidentally sort of play out as, like, an inferior sequel just because of them both being in the same show. They couldn't help that, really. If you'd have put the women's one first, the men's one probably would have done the same. Spot recreation. Yeah, like the pounce. And and, and fine, and everybody understood, I think, because of why the matches existed, that it was more for that exhibition feeling. So welcome back, the exhibition eight, man. The Young Bucks, this is not a complaint, but the Young Bucks in particular were part of so many eight and ten mans that became 
candidates in your match of the year <laughs> spreadsheet or whatever, that you forgot that sometimes these existed to just be a bit of light relief or a bit of fun or an excuse to look at it wrestlers because wrestlers are there to be looked at and mm. there to be like entertained by the mere visual of them. And like somebody doing something to somebody and somebody doing something to somebody. This wasn't completely free of details. I like the little bit of dissension between the heels and like he's not really one of us and like their baby faces getting the winners, nothing else because they're supposed to feel like a super team and the finish was really sweet. Of course it was. Um, but I wouldn't have, I didn't expect nor did I need anything more from either of these mm. eight person tags. There wasn't like much in the way of completely spectacular off the charts action as you'd expect in a young bucks match with this many people in it. But for how kind of basic it was, it was so well timed mm. and the, thing broke down so exquisitely well that you did sort of get locked in that moment of, I don't know who's winning here. You did. (laughs) Not to hope in hell that the baby faces aren't winning this and that Preston Vance in particular is not going to score the winning pin. But it just broke down in such a way that it just locked me in. Mm. And they did the perfect, nice finish with with the discus lariat and everything as well. And I did like the story beat. Uh, I'm not like a baby. I'm like, going, oh, Brian Cage going to do after this? It's like, well, he's probably just going to win some matches and lose them, but they're going to be fun because that's his role on the card. But I did like the attention to detail, and it's kind of well overdue when, and again, I don't want to get too nitpicky about a lovely, breezy, all-action 10 minutes held for a really nice purpose. AEW should always do this. Yeah. They are nice there's something they do on this show later on that is not nice at all. So it's worth remembering that in some of these situations, they are an incredibly nice company. They can mm. be nice. They have the capacity to yes. be nice, yeah. if they are, yeah. even if they are not wholly nice. They have the capacity, and God damn it, this is really, really nice. Um, but I did like that detail of... The, I'm not going to do it here for this match, but in general, on previous occasions, too many, I have lamented this babyface supergroup trope, and now it's a book and crutch, and it's no longer this nice novelty of he's teaming with me. I'm not going to do that now, but I will say that on the heels side, I do hate the idea in gen- in wrestling in general that if you are a baddie, you automatically like other baddies because they too are a baddie. It is so one-dimensional. Mm. It's so... I'm a child in an adult's body watching this crap. It was better in the 80s when everybody was a ridiculous cartoon, wasn't it? Yeah. Because cartoon baddies stick together, but we've wrestling's moved through so many cycles yeah. that... Doesn't quite scan as much anymore. <laughs> so I village people, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did really enjoy the idea that the faction would look upon Archer and go, I don't trust him. Yeah. I don't know him. And that at the same time means that the baby faces have got an opening there. They can use their smarts to sort of divide and conquer these sort of like caveman ego, I'm harder than you are, mm. monster horse heels. It was just Nice time. That was probably a bit more thoughtful than it needed to be. Yeah. Well, I kind of like watching Copeland in this context as well. Me, me too, you know. I want to isolate Copeland for praise after this and Griff Garrison. Because people looked at this and thought, oh, they're just normalising. He's just a guy in, a, in an eight-man now. They have. But, like, is he maybe the best jag ever? He kind yeah. of He sort of is just a guy way too soon for considering how little time he spent in this company. They said well, that he's going to... Bring usher in a new era of he's the like, company. He's still, it's still the edge. He's sort of massive. It's sort of massive as well. It's a, there's a weird sort. Of, I don't quite, I can't place what it is. But yeah, this isn't the same as Keith Lee has this great, de- like all health stuff. Like Keith Lee has this great debut and then immediately just sort of slots in and it's like ice. 
I'm going to put him in this tag with Swerve because it's kind of now to do with him. Oh, God, we've signed too many guys. It's, there's something different about Cope as mm. just a guy. And I, for one, welcome it. I just that fun watching Cope. Yeah. It's fun watching Orange Cassidy. He knows Cassidy. what he's doing. He's an old pro. He is, isn't he? Orange Cassidy, as always, doing doing what he does against the gates of agony and then getting pounced in midair by a totally owner. Uh, he got isolated to take us to a break when we come back. Andrew Arch just, just launching him across the ring. Step up knee in the corner. He wants a trio of back elbows, um, but Jose the assistant trips him on the third go-round, so Jake Roberts gets involved and clobbers him. It was mad that I remember thinking, you know, I have, I've had a go at the whole demon with him, him. But then like, you're watching the Cobra in the ring, and then just Jake Robinson's on the outside. Yeah. And it's like, oh, is kind of mad, isn't it? But <laughs> I really like it. I really like it. Um, Cassidy gets the round the world DDT to finally make it over to the corner, brings in Preston Vance, who, of course, runs wild on everyone. Everything breaks down. Uh, Dustin Rose gets dropped with an F5 from uh, Brian Cage. He tries one on Copeland, who counters that into an impaler. Um, but then I think it was Bishop Khan puts down... DeCopa uh, with a gut buster. Cassidy hits an orange punch. Archer hit the boss man slam and uh, accidentally collided uh, with uh, Toa Leona. Cage took out his own partner with a clothesline to the floor, turned into a Copeland spear, discus lariat from Preston Vance and uh, Peepins, Bishop Khan. Huh? Lovely stuff. Yeah, yeah. nice. Like, it's uh, predictable, but in a good way. And yes, enjoyable just way. breezy, wholesome stuff. Um, we go backstage with Renee. She is uh, back there with uh, the Bing Bing Bing. Switchblade Jay Watts says, anything the Undisputed Kingdom can do, the Bang Bang Gang can do better, including going after gold. In come the acclaimed and daddy ass. Bowen says, well, you know, if, if we're a united force, all six of us, we could all hold gold at the same time, not just the trio's titles. Uh, they suggest forming a super group, Michael Sidgwick. Oh, God, hang on, I'll just get the button ready for you. Uh... They suggested the Bang Bang Scissor Gang. Um, uh, Jay White and Colton Gunn says they'll think about it. Austin Gunn seems more uh, open to this sort of thing. Babyface Supergroup. You're joking. Not another one? I kind of hate this. I understand continuity-wise that the Bing Bing Gang would be upset with the devil, but then I also don't because Jay White didn't care. Sure, you'd care more when it had happened. Or maybe you'd do the CM Punk having his rear window summer and stew on it yeah. and then get yourself more worked up the longer it goes on. And hey! Yeah, I think he's angrier, you know, not with the original attack. I think he's annoyed. He said when he, last week, he was annoyed he was a pawn. And I think he's, they've not been clear enough about this. I think he's referring to the full game main event. I think he's like, he was there that night when Adam Cole kind of just wanted to screw MJF out of the title. And instead, MJF made it to the ring. And then Jay White is just trapped in the middle of all that. They've just not illustrated that clearly enough. And you're, you're led to think, hang on, is he going about that first attack? Because he did kind of pie that off a little bit. It still sucks. It's, it's still it's a terrible direction yeah. for Jay White, who, you know, I'm not still necessarily convinced that he's going to be on that level of your yeah, MJFs, your Omegas, and all the rest of it. But he's better than this. He's better than softening Jay White a little bit and having him be. Proxy baby face. And I, I'm, I'm just sick. We said it on the collision review. I'm going to reiterate it. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. Like, personal issues draw money. I'm working on a list. Me and Hamlet's collaboration with Ooh. the What Culture team about the 40 years of uh, fascinating WrestleMania facts. And I was again reminded of that WrestleMania 5 by amount. Ridiculous. 
1989 paid to see the mega powers exploding. Biggest gap between buy rates ever, by the way. In a decade. Really? In a decade. Like, it, it beat WrestleMania 14. Yeah. Like it beat WrestleMania 14. Um, it's... And then you see Tony Khan's favorite approach of stable, heavy, supergroup stuff, and it's all very indirect, and people... Enemy of my enemy is my friend. I just want some enemy versus enemy stuff. Like I really am aching for it in this... Uh, this uh, promotion. I can't make up my mind on this one. Personal issues draw money, and the acclaimed and the Bing Bing Ying should and do have a personal issue with the Undisputed Kingdom. Mm-hmm. I don't know if yeah, this but is I hate the Undisputed Kingdom as well. I was going to say, I don't know if this is an Undisputed Kingdom problem more than uh, these two teams' problem. I guess we'll get to that on this episode. But it doesn't, this feels a little bit like, uh, well, I guess we've got it with Joe now, but whenever there's a new champion, and the awkwardness of the first defence. How do you not make it feel like, oh, I've got to win. How do you not make it feel completely like an open and shut case that this new champion has to win this match to establish some dominance with the belt? It's very, very difficult to sell a title change. In this case, the Undisputed Kingdom's uh, raison d'etre is gone. Like, he's out of there. So there's no... And he should be the one avenging everything they've done. And yes. there's nowhere to be found. So in the absence of their big feud, it's like, ah, oh, well, are you setting these guys up to be the Undisputed Kingdom's establishing feud? Mm. So already there's this little simmering feeling of, yeah, get together so you can all be losers at the same time. And then after they lose that, then maybe they lean back on, oh, Austin Gunn just wants to reconnect with his dad and maybe there'll be more to <sighs> chew on. And, <laughs> and I, echo, I echo Sid here, that's not particularly captivating. We had enough of that when... Billy Gunn couldn't decide which side he was on, you know, with the guns and the acclaimed. It feels like you've gone through that and over that. So just, I don't hate this on principle, but I cannot get excited about mm. where it all seems to be going. I just can't. And I don't, like they'll sell some t-shirts probably. It's ABAs. convoluted. Golden, golden scissors shirts will sell probably. Switchblades, scissor combo. It, it just feels like this hangover of an incredibly convoluted angle that basically required too much thought to unpack. A hangover of a period of AEW that the rest of the promotion is seeking to get away from. I don't like it. Would you say this stable are the devil's rejects? Uh, if you want. If you want. Yeah. Just while we're drafting names. We're not we to do that though. <coughs> they just, were. That's all we have to I talk suppose about. I, what are we? I do like the switchblades. Mm. Yeah, that, well, that'll make it work for you, won't it? A pun for the name of the stable, <laughs> even if the stable is itself bad. Oh my god, Jay White in pink tights. Okay. Um, you don't like that? Yeah, I mean, I like that a lot. <laughs> I like that a lot. Uh, the new world champion comes out with the new AW world title. No more Triple B, of course. Samoa Joe is out there in a suit, and he stands before as the AW world champion. Thank you, Joe. Chance says, hey, no thanks, I needed. He was destined for this. There are changes, though. He is just introducing in championship protocol. You no longer have to come out and whine on the mic about poor misfortunes or go on social media to make ho-ass comments. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, bring your record, bring your reputation to the championship committee, and if you're deemed worthy, you get an express pass for Joe to stomp your ass out in front of everyone who's ever cheered for you. I love him. Yeah. 
really want a piece, the champ will be waiting. Whose house is it, though? Swerve Strickland's house. He comes out uh, with the whole of the Mogul Embassy. Um, and he says, look, a few years, uh, a few months ago, I told Hangman Page I was after his spot, and I took it. And I'm going to tell you the same thing, Joe. This isn't personal. I just want the AW title. Um, Joe and Strickland go face-to-face. Hangman Page, though, comes back out. He never takes his eyes off Swerve. He said, look, 2023 held a lot for me. Beating John Moxley in Texas death, reuniting the elite, finding Swerve Strickland. Um, the one thing I lost sight of, though, was the AEW title. And in 2024, he's going to make it his again. Uh, Prince Nana has to pull Strickland away. The Mogul Embassy leave and uh, Hangman Page gets in Joe's face and says, what the hell are you smirking at? I haven't forgotten what you did to me and I will take the title from you for it. What an absolutely fabulous promo train. And yes, it's AWR. It's good when AEW does it. <laughs> okay, you having that? You having that? No, I thought it was class. Genuinely thought it was class. Joe already is just so awesome with that world title draped across his shoulder. He's so menacing. He's so funny. He not only articulated something a lot of fans have wanted to hear, but he delivered it with that menacing, cool, like just coolest, hardest guy in the room without being remotely try hard about it. Um, delivery. Oh, World class ho assed comments like this. This no nonsense, ass kicking, menacing, cool, mythical at this point in his career. Badass, what a custodian for a wrestling title he is! And it, the, the sheer presence he has means that I already whoever beats him for that title is going to really be made off. Mm. It's going to feel big when he loses it, like already. That have to enter a catastrophic period of booking to mess up Joe's champion. Um, Love that. When Swerve came out, I'd, I wasn't high on the idea of Joe versus Swerve, frankly, as a title program, because I had reservations about a Styles clash, and there's not like, even going as far back as 2022, there wasn't much in the way of a proper babyface versus heel program mm-hmm. for a belt. We haven't had that in a long time in AEW. Yeah. Like, MGF, Moxley, like MGF was flirting with being a babyface. Then you had, um, before that, you had Punk Moxley, which was pick your favorite. Hangman Page, Punk, pick your favorite. Yep. Cole, MGF, were both baby faces who could turn heel. It's been ages. MGF, Danielson was that for a bit, but it was the first defense, so it didn't feel like it, there was going to be a change. Cole and Hangman probably, wasn't it? Yeah. A baddie and a goodie. And now you've got two cool tweener guys, so I thought... The dynamic's not perfect, it's not ideal, and I'm worried about the styles clash of their match. When I saw those two guys interact, when Swerve came yes. out on the ramp, I was like, these are two cool guys, going to do some badass stuff. And I think after all the comedy and mystery of last year's title picture, this feels like incredibly refreshing. Page coming out, didn't expect it, um, but I like how there's more than one. Yeah, I was, I was partially conflicted by this because I was like, that there's, you know, we talk, we've talked about this towards the end of last year as well. Of like, there it is. There's the hangman page I wanted to see for yeah. so long. So I'm moping around, bitching all over the place. But then I also had, especially because we were in dailies, had that memory of like how much we adored. Like, oh, I know we're not doing the rankings, but they're, they're trending in that direction. Um, especially with Hook, obviously, we'll talk about in a second. The 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 thing of, oh, oh he's got to go do his. Beat Brian Cage, and then he'll get that he's he's going to be in the title picture for the for the pape, and he loses that one match, and suddenly, uh oh. So the the only confliction I had, and I don't know whether they're going to do, I don't know what you think it's going to be a triple threat, or it's going to be Swerve, and then whoever wins that faces Page, or what, or, or how you think this works out is 
Well, hang on, you lost the feud with Swerve, and Swerve's had more matches since then as well. I don't know what you make about about that. Yeah, I mean, that's not ideal, is Mm. it? I mean, obviously, Paige beat Claudio. Mm. I, that didn't really bother me because I was in a good mood. Yeah, I'd rather have this version of Paige. Analytically, it's not the neatest thing they could possibly do. I mean, Swerve did cheat, but that wasn't pointed out, and there can be no excuses if you're a babyface either. I would say, though, like, your point was kind of like we've identified there's been out and out mentions of records, rankings, cues for title shots in the last couple of weeks. The trend, again, I think walking about the rankings would be amazing because I would love a promoter every now and then to say they were wrong. It would be absolutely frigging amazing if Tony Why can't. can't nah. Like, I, like I, what if he's the first to say, got that one wrong, rankings are back? Like, it'd be brilliant. Um, and then the ground would shake beneath them and we'd all get swallowed up because it's probably not going to happen. <laughs> but like, they're at least trending to the mindset is good enough because that'll get fans back in the mindset that that's what has to come first, rankings have to come first. I saw this as a bit of a play on the phenomenal, every detail was perfect, CM Punk MJF thing of, that was always about winning the belt, and then they got sucked into the most grisly personal war imaginable that started with, I'm doing really well in these rankings, and MJF's like, yeah, you let me down as a kid, get the F out of my way. <laughs> and then the rankings were even used in the Captain Sean Dean match. To really just like turn the heat up a little bit, you know, like it was still always about the belt. Punk beats MJF, what next? Fights for the title because it was always about the belt. Mm-hmm. What I saw here was an attempt to return to those days because Joe can have a million other things to do. You can, it's, it's not real. You can find other challenges for someone with Joe. Swerve and Hangman are telling you, we want the belt. And then bloody hell, accidentally, the personal issue is going to get in the way of that. So while Joe does something over here in a cool title program, you know that whoever... Yesterday, I fantasy booked this idea that maybe the stipulation won't be about how they can kill the other. It's about whoever wins gets a shot. Whoever doesn't, back of the line. Mm-hmm. They told you here they want the title, and then accidentally the personal conflict is going to get in the way of that. So I don't see the need to rush to which one's going to get it, or is it going to be a three-way? I see this as the reminder that whoever wins, whoever finally puts their stamp on this rivalry, is next in line to Samoa Joe, or indeed whoever's got the title, which is good belt booking. Because you want the wrestlers to want the title and then just get waylaid with the personal story. Not everyone can fight at the same time, but ideally they should have a reason to fight and you've got both here. On uh, There was something about Joe's, that was it. Joe's, like, what a line, Hoas. Hoas <laughs> comments on Twitter. This reminded me of in the... Sounds so weird coming out of our British mouths. Yeah. <laughs> with the cloud hanging over AEW after Brawl Out, it took a John Moxley, like... Days and days of punk elite, punk elite. What's Tony Khan going to say? John Moxley came through and just cut through, mm. as is John Moxley's won't. This was off the back of, like, lots of things, but off the back of uh, Tony Khan, Jinder Mahal, whatever, cage match, blah, 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 and a Samoa Joe just cuts through. Yes. One line, it's dead. You're all losers, actually, and I'm the world champion. <laughs> it takes, like, quite the wrestler to be able to do that, and Samoa Joe just put himself in that John Moxley category with pretty much that one line. There aren't many that can get away with it and... Or not get away with it. There aren't many that can deliver it believably. Mm. And if those men exist, you put the belt on them. And Joe just reminded you why. Yeah, I I don't know what what happens now. I was was all set after World's End of like, that's okay, obviously, yeah, devil stuff. MGF goes away for a while. Cole does whatever Cole does. uh, And then Joe holds the title to Revolution. Then we'll have someone take him off him there. That's a nice little short run, make a change compared to MJF's long one. And then Swerve can hold it for ages. And then I'm watching this and I'm like, there's the hangman page I've missed. And I'm like, okay, so uh, I, I don't want Joe to lose the title, 
um, in his first defence at Revolution. I mean, his first, you know, pay-per-view defence. But I also want Swerve to be champion. Then I also want to see Swerve Hangman. And I'd quite like Swerve Hangman 3 to be for the belt. And if it's Swerve Hangman 3, Hangman can needs to win that. So I'll basically hot potato the belt in about three <laughs> pay-per-views. I have no idea what's going on. No, but that's the intrigue. And it, who knows, Joe might not even be champion by this time yeah, next dude. week. Because Joe is left in the ring. Um... He holds the title up, and then the hook bat symbol appears. He comes out. Got that. He, uh, yeah, proper, and he keeps, proper wrestling it, up. keeps his short so he gets in his face and says, see you next week, basically. One week to go, and walks off. A few things on this, and I'm going to try and keep my thoughts brief. But I can't promise anything. Right? <laughs> First of all, I love the idea that hook. It's like hook's almost a bit like Sting. It's like, if you win all the time, why aren't you getting something proper? Mm. It's been like... You're months and months and months and months overdue something proper. We're finally getting to something proper after um, the Kenny Omega run, the Hammond Page run, and all the rest of it. And now we had different matches with MGF, who went for those epic, long match quality matches as well. well yeah, one of the best of every match yeah. type, didn't he? That's the whole thing, yeah. Joe versus Hook is a much different tenor of match for this world title picture. Like, a lot of submission, a lot of striking. I think they might have a sort of a work shooty UWFI-inspired sort of match. It's very different for the AW world title, and I'm very, very, like, I think that's very, very refreshing, and I can't wait for how they match up stylistically, very similarly. Um, so that's something I think has been missing. We've talked about match quality, match quality, match quality. How much is a good, how good is a good match anymore? That could go eight minutes and just be yeah, over yeah. in this really sort of animalistic blur, which I can't wait for. What could trap him? Yeah. Like, and then what? You know, like, yeah. how does Joe get out of that? Uh, like, we'll that take w- anything away from Hook if Joe beat him in eight minutes in, like, a war, like you said. Oh, why? Well, yeah. I mean, Joe versus Necro Butchers, probably about 11 minutes long. <laughs> do do that again. God damn. So I'm looking forward to that different tenor mm. to the world title, the complexion of what a world title match looks like for a little while at least. Hook must still have a little bit of aura left. Because what they went nose to nose, I personally was a bit like, oh, go on in. And then the crowd were up for it as well. I thought for a split second they were going to do the Joe Angle TNA thing. (laughs) Stick a nut nut him. Probably should have. They probably should have. So that's something. (laughs) You must have some aura left, which is good. Thirdly, the uh, the bat signal, right? I'm just going to try and keep this very brief. What I loved so much about the pandemic. Yeah, How ridiculous is that? Yeah. But in AEW's use of or, like, management of mm. the Pando, you could enjoy it. That's the magic of this promotion. It's, it's a two-hour escape, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Is that WWE, and yes, I will invoke them as a comparison, which is so crap <laughs> and fair, bleak fair. and yeah. unimaginative. Worst ever, worst ever was, and think of the ground that covers. Yeah, <laughs> they looked upon that bleak, empty space of the performance center. And yes, I've made this point before. They looked upon that bleak, empty space of the performance center and were like, uh, "What was MVP's chat show? Uh, the VIP lounge. The VI- they had a VIP lounge in the empty gym. And it's like it's weird enough that this happens on a wrestling show, but there's like of a live studio or audience yeah. an arena of wrestling fans except that's not even them it's like oh, they just did everything they would yeah, ordinarily it the VIP do lounge. it was the essential workers lounge yes <laughs> like, you're in a vip because you're allowed out your freaking house they either did just their own tv program or their own tv program with the worst cinematic bollocks you've ever seen in your life AEW looked at that bleak empty space and thought right 
We shouldn't just do an emulation of something that's now unworkable and bittersweet. Let's use this empty space as a blank canvas for creativity. That's how you had that. One of the few good things Matt Hardy's done in his AW career. Thank God for Kenny Omega. You're welcome. With that um, street fight that built Stadium Stampede. Mm-hmm. False count anywhere. Butchering the Blade versus the Young Bucks. A parking lot, parking lot fight. This space... The bar that they used to develop Hangman Page's character in on site at Daly's place. How the Pinnacle and the Inner Circle had their own areas, their own territories that they would sort of like invade, if you like, to do their brawls yeah. to set up that blood and guts match. The build to which was great. Daly's place was a blank canvas that they looked upon and didn't see. All right, there's no fans, let's just do the usual. Just opportunity, opportunity, opportunity. There's just something about the architecture of it. And we can put a hook signal up there <laughs> because we've got this completely wonderful, weird configured amphitheater. Let's just have some fun with it. I just love the hook signal. Mm. It just gave me that lovely reverie for the worst time of my life. Um, a bit of creativity, a bit of verve. I absolutely loved it. Yeah. Like this is that's proper wrestling to me before the bell rings. Like I want to look at that. Like the well, proper wrestling because it nicks from films and telly. Which yeah. is like, yeah. like, like somebody that's never seen this before is like, whoa! Like telling that they're Batman, mate. Like the, you won't believe it's like the wrestler beamed his own name into the sky. I've, I've got like decades old franchise yeah. here, pal. But um, aye, it's funny. Like uh, one of my favorite ever Michael Sidgwick takes when trying to explain to the worst faith actors, probably as far back as 2019, about the appeal of Orange Cassidy, was to compare him to, like, Stone Cold Steve Austin yes. with, like, a jaded generation. You literally named the guy. Was, was, I'm going to save you guys, I swear. We're literally effing here. I was going to steal that comparison for 2024, and then you literally named the guy in your analysis. Hook is Sting in that exact same way. Yeah. Like, and this use of that, you can do. Like, his entrance, blackout lights, white T-shirt, like black lettering, hook. There's a mystic that he's crow sting, but for now, yeah. Slack a generation like crow sting just like remains fairly ambiguous, a shadowy figure in in the in the social media age where nobody can be a shadowy figure anymore because everything is filmed and everything is. He like, doesn't have social media. Yeah, like he's just people aspire to be that yeah. not off to be that offline in the way that Sting was offline in WWE yeah. because the only thing that was for sure with Sting was that nothing was for sure. That's hook now for like the sort of whatever. What I, I don't even know. What gen, I'm so old. I don't know. Are we Gen Z? Z? I don't. I don't, I don't know. So I, don't know. I don't know that. Don't but know. that is hook. And I just I feel like he is enigmatic in the way that Sting once was. Yeah. And that I felt that from him, and I was like, you absolutely can give him a bat signal, like that. Of you can. That fits. Sometimes things just fit. I can't wait for this match, you know. I know. Uh, Generation Alpha. Is All right. 2010 to 2024. So he's probably Gen Z, 95 to 2009. I never know how these things work. I oh, know yeah. this because Ian on Twitter hypothesized yeah. that after beating Bam Bam Bigelow at Heatwave 98, yeah. he then celebrated <laughs> with uh, the conception of Hook, yeah. who came out nine months later. So, in 1999. So that's why I know he was. Born. Even back then, we can celebrate Taz's penetration step. Yeah. Sex, <laughs> baby making intercourse, successful intercourse. Yeah, and he suplex Bam Bam Bigelow through the ramp. Taz twice that night. Did <laughs> Did. 
One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Renee Baguette is backstage with uh, Tony Storm. that night. <laughs> Tony Storm, Luther, and uh, Mar- Mariah May. Um, Renee's asking for her thoughts on what happened last week. And May's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you see my debut? And Storm said she was given a screener, but she didn't watch. Did you do an arm drag, dear? She says. Quite like this. Yeah. Um, Brackett's like, no, 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 I'm talking about AW's newest signing. And Storm's like, Wendy Richter. No, um, it's Deanna Prazzo. And May was like, yeah, I kicked her in the face. Oh, she kicked me in the face. Yeah. Um, and Storm said, have a chocolate. <laughs> uh, and said she feels like the uh, prettiest girl at the dance. Everyone wants her, including this Donna girl. <laughs> this Donna girl. <laughs> Chin up, tits out, and line. <laughs> Ryan May says, watch for the shoe. And Storm's like, Storm's like you ruined it. Stormed off. I don't know if I, I just quite like this. I don't know why. Sometimes it's quite lame. Often it's verges on universe breaking. But this was just the diva, a bit off the rails, has demanded the black and white TV, and that was it wasn't in the way of the wrestling, which is my big complaint, because Tony Storm's actually great, and this, the trappings of the gimmick makes her in-ring work worse, which means object defeating. If they can get around that, then I'll be happy with this act, because this is quite amusing. Mariah May is a secret ingredient in yes. all of this, most definitely, because either the match between them or Mariah May just surpassing Tony Storm and taking whatever spot Tony Storm thinks she's got, I think like it's so much more captivating as far as women's storylines in AEW go than anything I can think of in terms of debut and stars. But I agree with Sidge on the matches. What's going to make me lose faith is if Tony Storm doesn't just have like a banger any day now because <laughs> the last two pay-per-view ones mm. are sort of stunk. The Rio build wasn't great, no, to no. be honest. But it, was, match, it was every AEW women's yeah, pay-per-view the, build ever. But Tony Storm used to elevate those bad builds with her work and hasn't done of late. So, so I got distracted because I was just looking at um, the names of the generations. So you got... Generation Beta from 2025 onwards, basically. Generation Alpha right now. What's X and Z then? So the, I don't know why it's gone. So it goes uh, Zoomers slash Generation Gen Z. Uh, that's 1997 to 2012, according to the thing I'm looking at right now. Still. Or 95 to 2009. Millennials, which we are Generation Y, whatever you want to call it. Well, what's the years for Millennials? 
Um, eight, 1980 to 1994-ish. Yeah, I'm a millennial. Mid-90s. There's a Xennial as well, isn't there? Mm. So like an in-between the Gen X and a millennial. People that don't feel like they identify with either, which oh, I believe right. we all fall into. Gen X. No, we're millennials. Gen oh, I know that, yeah. There's, this is like a s- subcategory. Ah. Gen X, uh, vaguely sort of 65 to 1980. Boomers, obviously. Baby boomers. Baby boomers. 40. Boomers. <laughs> Then it goes silent generation, so they clearly didn't have any banner in the past. <laughs> well, we, well, we knew all that already. <laughs> and then, who's done this? Uh, I think they're just being nice, um, or, well, I mean, I mean, no one can complain at this point from the generation that we're talking about, probably. Um, 1900 to 1927, it says here. The greatest generation. Oh, who's named that then? <laughs> What's the point in trying? <laughs> They just thought like, oh, no, like nineteen hundred. That must be the first year. We're the first people. Good for us. <laughs> um, where are we? Oh yeah, Sammy Guevara versus Ricky Starks. Imagine next. being born around that time. Scared. Freaking two wars. <laughs> Suck ass. The rubbish time to be born. Yeah, no one wonder. No telly. <laughs> <laughs> no telly. Think of the had our own entertainment back then. Get the freaking NHS to the forties. <laughs> rubbish. Is it what they like? Lose, lose a generation if anything. <laughs> We might have to tend ourselves by hitting a hoop with a stick and running down the road next to it. (laughs) 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 I love that. (laughs) Got an iPad. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I'm not sure if you heard when we were having this conversation about... uh, I was chatting to uh, one of the uh, NCT dads about... Because I said, oh, I saw this thing the other day. I think it was on Reddit or something where it was like a genuine like genuine question. When people say that they used to burn CDs, what are they talking about? I like, saw that. I'm like, what do you mean you don't know what that means? And then I was telling this to this bloke at NCT, and he's like a doctor or something. And he said, yeah, yeah, I was talking to one of my students. And she was like, oh, can you give me a cop? Can you like, you know, drop me a copy of that on the cloud or whatever? He's like, oh, no, no worries. I'll just put it on a flash drive. And she was like, what the hell's a flash drive? And I was like... Oh, God. What was your, was it your boy? Oh, yeah. So my youngest, it's a quite a cliched one at this point because we are so far removed from it that we listeners to this podcast or viewers watching now that have no real recollection. I forget but I'm on bloody YouTube. He, he, like, my youngest <laughs> asked, like, Dad, like, Dad, what do you prefer, like, football or wrestling? I was like, well, I like wrestling. But I like football, but, like, wrestling is, like, my favourite thing when I was your age. Like, as you are into football now, I was mm-hmm. into wrestling. Just could not get enough of it. And he was like, so did you just, like, watch videos like I do on YouTube? Like, well, well, so we need to go back a few little steps here. You know, like when we've done car boot sales and stuff, selling our old stuff, I used to go to those and I used to buy other people's videos. You bought the videos. I was like, oh, God, yeah, right. Yeah, they were like a physical thing. They had some sort of paywall, Dad. Yeah. It was like a physical thing and we had a video player and it was like a box you put under your telly. I was keeping it simple because what is the point, you know, going further? And I would watch the video and he was like, like, what would you do when you'd finish with it then? Just throw it away or sell it to somebody else? <laughs> I was like, all fair questions. Yeah. I was like, I'd just, I'd just watch it again. It's like, but you'd seen it. Like, yeah. would you not want the next one? Yeah, but I, I couldn't like, get it. So I just watched it again. So you just, put, just push the slider back to the beginning. No, I just sit there. <laughs> like, and it's fine. Have you got a Blu-ray player to, for this No, example? we have nothing that plays ah. physical media in our house anymore. And like, it's fine. You know, stuff, stuff moves on, but. I've got Blu-rays in the loft. I bought like the the Twin Peaks, The Wire, The Office. A few select shows that mm-hmm. I care enough about. Way like, you know, like there's not enough time to rewatch it, let alone watch half the time. But yeah, 
That was nice to talk Time, about. Time's right. marches forward. <laughs> Let's talk about Ricky Starks, shall we? Oh, no, no. Skip. Skip. Sorry, I interrupted you. You going to say something. He did some good punches, but that's pretty much it. I just I didn't like a lot about this. I didn't like the fact that Ricky Starks lost. I certainly didn't like what followed. So, uh, early on, Starks hits a shoulder block and does his pose. Great. Uh, Guevara comes back with leapfrog, backflip, dropkick combo. Always looks a bit rubbish. And it reminds you that he hasn't really evolved. Mm. And when this, does, these two wrestlers should have had the magic, shouldn't they? It's dailies. They huh? both reflect so much of that era. Uh, they should have had that hangman page is walking yes, down the aisle yes. magic. Definitely, and it didn't. Uh, Guevara trips Starks to the floor, hit a moonsault off the top, and it looked like he sucked to be Ricky Starks in that moment. I think he hurt his shoulder in amongst all this. Guevara tries to suplex from the ring to the floor. They end up on the apron, and Starks hits a, an angel wings, angel's wings on the edge of the ring to take us to a break. And we come back. Starks goes for a TKO. Guevara spins out into a super kick. Guevara tries a moonsault. Starks hits a double boot and a sit-out powerbomb for two. Uh, Guevara leapfrog Starks, went for the GTH, but Starks can into a jackknife pin. Starks goes for the uh, spear. Guevara dodge, thrust kick, rolls up Starks. One, two, three. We'll talk about the match first. Yeah, I'll talk about the post-match. But, um, because afterwards, Guevara and Starks <laughs> shake hands. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Um, I'll do what I want to do, actually. Sorry, I, oh, I, sorry, I thought you meant, I thought you meant <laughs> no, tell us what came afterwards. Uh, yeah, talk about the match, sorry, yeah. Uh, I mean, I just didn't think it was that good. I, I didn't even think it was like a gentleman's three. Like, Ricky Starks does some really nice work and punches. There's something about Ricky that I just... Was that he said the spin off of the camera? Yeah, 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 yeah. I just, in a lot of promo segments... And in matches, he's prone to a botch, which is fine. We all make mistakes. God knows I trip over my words on this podcast every time you record. But, like, there's a certain awkwardness to his work, a certain identity crisis at times that I just get, I never get, like, this perfect, I'm with you all the way, Ricky Starks, like, minute one, uh, minute finish. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's always an odd decision in a match. There's always this weird energy in a promo with like you can't tell if they're just being really catty towards one another this is something that always distracts me from what I believe could be a great wrestler but is not there yet in Ricky Starks and there was an element here like he did this thing where I don't even know if I'm making it up at this point because it's like we're recording this later than usual so Guevara chops him and I go bloody hell where'd you get that home from Sammy <laughs> and then I don't know if Starks is trying to be like oh bloody hell be knocked silly so much so that I don't know if I'm only in the ring or out of it because he goes in the ring and then comes back out. Do you remember this? Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Do you think he did that to convey, oh, bloody hell, that sent my head. My head's wobbled here. <laughs> but it just didn't really feel like the slapstick spot or... Temporarily concussive state, shut the cobwebs off and go mm. again sort of sell. This is weird. Yeah. It wasn't like funny. It wasn't like wacky enough. I don't. I just. I just find sometimes him to be a weird wrestler. There were weird moments in this match, which otherwise was half okay, if a bit flubbed at times, back and forth, and then like, oh, we're gonna do some stuff on the apron and some high spots, cliche. Like I maintain that a lot of wrestlers who fancy themselves a bit more old school, a bit more will go traditional, you aren't. <laughs> Yeah, are you always going for the same apron stuff or the same blistering near fall finish? Depending on who the wrestler is, Dax Harwood. <laughs> just, I, no, I just didn't get anything out of this at all. Didn't get anything out of this at all, really. 
Uh, Sammy Guevara will get the pushed. feel both of them like they're suffocating. Yeah, like under the Putin. I hope the rumors and the speculation about Ricky Starks is not true when he goes to Fed. I think like I don't know if it's just. I think he needs a bit of uh, direction. Yeah, like I think the change of scenery would help exponentially. Mm. He is a guy that when you have like the flashes in the Danielson matches and in the Punk feud before we obviously lost. The kind of the payoff, like they were only just sinking the teeth into what they were going to do and couldn't. But then it's annoying. Got it. He's got that unteachable thing. Yeah, it, it, it the star is there. quality. It is there, but he feels he is starting to remind me of how you could tell people felt about the pillars around double or nothing, with the exception of Darby Allen. Um, but even this at this point was extended to MJF. Where it's like oh, none of you have quite got where you told us you were going to get, and now we're seeing a match that almost. Proves it a little yeah. bit, you know, and like Starks has build, not a match. Yeah, yeah. Starks has been like sucked into that a little bit, and I think like he would massively benefit from a change of scenery because he's got what you can't teach, mm. but there are things you can teach him that would help. I and, think so. I think so. A lot of people, not, not Sammy. He's a lot of people like bla- like lay the blame squarely on the shoulders of Tony Khan and the institution for his failures, mm. relative failures. I mean. How bad is his tag team division, by the way? When he's a tag team champion, yeah. and these conversations are still mm. ongoing. He's super young as well. He's got prime years left. He's not in his wrestler's prime yet. He's not super young, yeah. but he's not in his oh, wrestler's yeah, yeah. prime yet. I, I don't think he's blameless. I think there's an awkward quality to his work at times, both in the ring and on the microphone, that he could do with just, I don't know, mm. it's a bit erratic. This is surely the best thing about uh, AW even existing and a healthy nuge, and obviously WWE being a place that wrestlers actually want to go again, is he's supposed to have the mimicking of the territorial thing. He has absolutely done everything there is to do in AEW. Feels like that, and now could just bounce. Yeah. Have a great run out mm. of nowhere, and then we'll see where we're at again in four more years, and so on and so on and so on. He's a wrestler that can benefit from that, I think. Let's talk about what happened afterwards, though, because what well, we said on the preview yesterday, it was kind of obvious Guevara has to win because they've got Battle of the Belts tag title match coming up at the weekend. Um, but post-match, it seems like, oh, it's like quite an amicable finish. There's a there's a handshake between Ricky Starks and Sammy Guevara, but uh, it's all a ploy because Big Bill appears and attacks Sammy Guevara, and we wondered how they were going to tackle the, the Chris Jericho problem. It's New Jack. And, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. Not me, who's, that's not my joke. I saw a few people on X say it, but it's, uh, it's not incorrect. The production must feel pretty silly because Chris Jericho's music hit, and he ran out with the baseball bat, and he hits Bill with a code breaker, and his music just kept playing. You, you could almost not hear the crowd reaction to Chris Jericho uh, as a result of this. Um, Boo Jack. <laughs> Why new J? Starks and Guevara and Jericho and Big Bill Brawl. <laughs> Next they've got uh, they've got the, the title match at Battle of the Belts, but I mean it was like I mean it was certainly we said this in the office this morning. It was blatantly obvious what they were doing here. Yeah, it's blatantly obvious. Uh, it was a vibe ruiner temporarily, just so cheeky. I understand if like I try and put I don't want to put myself in that headspace of the cynical capitalist operation where PR really matters because he can it take him off telly I mean I'd bloody love it <laughs> I would bloody love it I think everyone needs a good mm. long break from Chris Jericho um, so I would love it personally but I understand from like you know legal PR saying oh, don't take him off television he can't do that you're going double down so then it's like right, well, how can we Use him and hide him at the same time. Schrodinger's Jericho. <laughs> Where it's like, right, okay, well, put him on back. a frigging box. Put him <laughs> on, there's no dark, Not so, dead. there's no dark elevation, so what's the next worst thing? Oh, of course it's Battle of the Belts. <laughs> Would he have ever, well, question. The time 
Has Chris Jericho ever wrestled at Battle of the Belts? No. Double check for me. I don't think so. I don't think so either. Would Chris Jericho have wrestled at Battle of the Belts had this whole silly bother not happened? Can you imagine him volunteering to do the dreaded last shot on the knackered? We've been in those shows. Oh, my God, it's horrendous. You wouldn't want to wrestle at the end of one of them nights. But is the reason? This is total conjecture on our part, right? We don't know. We just cynically think, or at least I cynically think. I don't want to put words in there. You can't have because he's never... So what I'm saying for this specific upcoming Battle of the Belts, yeah. is it because they're thinking, right, we will insidiously, by keeping him on the show, normalize Chris Jericho. Yeah. The best means of accomplishing that is when he wrestles, put him at the arse end of a long old TV taping that a lot of people might not even watch read about certainly the people in the audience might not have that boo I'm frenzied because oh, I can't I'm too knackered to boom this is all very cynical yeah. it feels like it to me conjecture I'm not on the, I'm not in that room I'm not listening to people who filter news out from that room he's literally just, never done this music attack ever yeah ever. it's all conjecture <laughs> I'm not saying that they've strategically and cynically said put him on battle of the belts it's late in the night not many people watch it the idea if we can hide him and feature him at the same time in this weird paradox that we're doing, eventually the noise will calm down and it'll just be normalized in much the same way as, you know, uh, someone's been caught in a scandal. What do you do? You just keep on keeping on. Mm. And then you, there's other things. Someone else in the wrestling space, some other tosser in this wrestling industry just crawling with them will do something else to disgrace themselves <laughs> and suddenly Jericho's less of a disgrace you know what I mean that's how oh, these yeah. things work Jericho as well will think no and he's probably right that a lot of fans won't know and a lot even more won't care and that's why you've just got to post through it as they say like he or maybe he's under- he seem hungrily high five the one yeah. person in the crowd who's oh I'm back Forgiven! <laughs> like, he might underestimate AEW's base slightly, but I think it would be overestimating to assume that loads of people are online and know he's, he's like, he's, he's he needs about 50% of support right now and he thinks he can probably get it this way. And mm. he's like, that's enough. I'll lean on that for those high yeah, fives. 51% and I'm fine. Yeah, and then gradually the, the disgrace will quieten. You two are going to feel bloody stupid here because Battle of the Belts 8, main event, Jericho. Sorry, Jericho Appreciation Society. Uh, Matt Minai, Angelo Parker and Daniel Garcia challenging the acclaimed for the trio's titles. I guess there's no room for him. Uh, too busy with Luchasaurus versus Sean Spears and QT Marshall fighting in one of the main events of Battle of the Belts instead. Anyway, hate to, oh, I so I, I hate it so much. It's what it symbolizes. It was, they had such... Oh, first one. Top Productive Brick Baker versus Riho. Oh, here we go. And they, they all the... You all talked about them even promising... The, even the first one. But you, was, you talked about what they were promising with it and why they got it. It's a pre-rampage Battle of the Bells one. January 8th, 2022. No. no. So it was, it was... I'm fairly certain it was trademarked and maybe even announced... And it was meant to be Clash. It was meant to be the B pay per views yes. on telly. Clash of the Champions. Here's the hint, guys. There's a similar alliteration. Two hours every Saturday, yeah. quarterly, and then it's just not worked out like that. And then they both didn't. Warner and AEW mutually mutually were like, eh. it just. It, I mean, we have a. Rule. Don't want to start like Jericho on this until you know 
we'll, uh, we'll preview, of course, part of the collision preview tomorrow. Uh, but the rule, as always, applies with Battle of the Belts. We will not review this show unless there's a title change because in the previous eight <laughs> Battle of the Belts, there has been one title change and one interim championship win one. That was it. You won't do the show unless the title's got to go. Twenty, a minimum of twenty-four <laughs> title matches. Two, two uh, opportunities where someone new was holding a belt up at the end of the show. That What's didn't the percentage on that, Mister Maths. Too late. He's good at maths. I'm not being. He's taking the piss, obviously, but he is good at maths. Mister Maths, he's, my, he's my helper. He's my helper in the office. <laughs> Doctor Trig, <laughs> <laughs> how's your calculus? <laughs> Um, right, let's talk about the other the uh, eight. Do you want calculus, trig, um, well, math, obviously, obviously just math. That's, a, that's a broad term. Yeah, math, calc, trig, arithmetic. Arith- <laughs> arith- <laughs> arith- <laughs> I think it's calc and trig. Yeah. Anyway, can't remember anything else. Uh, the other um, <laughs> eight-person match came next. They it might do Dublin statistics and data. data. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was uh, the women's match next. We didn't do it as part of the ladies' night thing, but... Check my notes. It was the only women's yeah, match on the show. Oh. appeared, but she said, hey, you wait till collision for that one. Um, it was it, at least split off. Remember, like, that era where it was just the ladies' section? <laughs> yes. Yeah, like three, like, one promo match, other promo. Out of the way, yo. Out of the way, yo. <laughs> oh, look, it's time for the main event. Um, Donna Rosa... Chris Statlander, Willow Nightingale, and Anna Jay versus Julia Hart, Sky Blue, Soraya, and Ruby Soho, uh, with Harley Cameron getting involved, although not with the weapon, as you suggested yesterday on the preview. Uh, also, Stokely Hathaway was ringside holding a sign that said, let Stoke manage you. Stats! A lovely little nod to there being wrestlers stationed at ringside once yes. upon a time at Dailies. That's a great spot. I didn't think about that. What's going on here? Right. Does he want to manage her as Stokely Hathaway is back as a manager, or is he trying to sign her for Ring of Honor as the Ring Ooh. of Honor authority I figure? I didn't think of that. that I don't even know if he's still there. I don't know. He's the GM, isn't he, or something, of I Ring of Honor? I don't pay any attention to Ring of Honor. <laughs> 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 I just, it struck me as odd that if he is the authority figure within Ring of Honor, that I want to manage on the side mm. and have a conflict of interest and manage Chris Statlander. And is there a, a romantic element or not? Because if there's one thing we know about romance in AEW is that there needs to be somebody to get in the middle of that, even if they're consenting adults that just mm. want to. <laughs> Sorry, very unprofessional, but you know, when you get burr, on your phone, you think, oh, what the hell's buddy going on? What have you been ordering now? Uh, nothing. I've had multiple messages from more than one person. It was my wife. Ah, read them <laughs> out. <laughs> Someone said, do you want to go for a pint after work? Ah. I was like, no. Oh. But I, I mean, I probably would, but I can't. Yeah. Yeah. Got plans. Um, I read the shards. And <laughs> be with my parent, uh, my children. Watch Traitors? Don't watch it. Oh, you need to watch Traitors. I'm very much at the moment for our retreat to bed. A blanket and a book guy. It's the best. You never finished the X-Files or? No, you nah, back. I'm blanket and a book. Blanket and a book. I'm going to read. I'm reading The Shards by Brett Easton Ellis because I was a proper dude bro. Um, kind of like Donnie Darko, actually. <laughs> uh, 17 year old. And I would read all of the dude bro guys. Like, uh, you know, like. Ellis and like countless more like Chuck Pally, like you ever heard of him? <laughs> heard of Stuff him. like that. Um, but I thought I'm going to revisit those times because apparently this, and it's really good so far. It's meant to be like a more mature return to form from Brett Easton Ellis. Mm. And I thought, you know what? I was such a dude, bro. Back in the day, 
and I was very much a cliched, like, literary type, 17-year-old boy through uni. Friggin' read Madame Bovary after. Uh, okay. All these are just titles of books you hear about, but yes. never get around to reading them. Friggin' I'm, read Madame Bovary. I'm thinking of becoming a blanket in a book guy, but so I watched a TV show last night that I've never seen before. Uh, it was called, I don't even know if I've got the pronunciation of this right, I think it was called, like, Al Elite Rustling. So Dino bad. mate, I've some, so some, I've never seen it before. Anyway, I so loved bad. Loved like, yeah, that's Chris Jericho to you. No, no, I like, <laughs> no, I like wrestling, um, proper wrestling, WWE. But I've never seen. I didn't know there was a second product. Such hang on, absolute. hang on. I didn't know there was a secondary product, right? And this is like, woo, quite into this. Uh-huh. But I, I've, my problem, right? I'm a booker. Ah, see where it's going here. <laughs> I've just realised. I'm <laughs> sorry, it took me ages. This We're booking a blanket guy. Yeah, but mm-hmm. thing is, with all these characters, I kind of feel like I stepped on my own. <laughs> yeah, like promo. <laughs> Pretty. F- much, yeah. So, like, so I think I've come in like this hangman page guy looks like he's pretty serious business. Yeah, what's the uh, origin story of him and maybe some of his friends? A couple of guys at the end, well, like a couple of dickheads actually. But I wonder what made them the way they are. And I'm a blanket of book guy, said so you got anything for me? Well, first of all, it's not all elite rustling, what it's all elite wrestling. Ah, right. Do you know when it was formed or how it rose? I've never been able to. Gather any sort of information. I could, what I could oh. do with, what I could do is like 120,000 passionate cipher words. You haven't got them. Oh my God, he's got them. That's becoming Al Elite. Yes. Isn't it? Yeah. Question, um, where do you live? Oh, I've just moved house actually. Oh, no way. Well, yeah, that's why I'm a blanket in a book guy because we haven't got any power in the house I've just bought in the world. <laughs> where? In the world, Sidge. Well. I live at one, the world street. The world. That means yeah. that you can get Amazon to deliver that title to you pretty swiftly. Oh, my God. There you go. I'm going to blanket a book guy as early as tomorrow, potentially. There you, <laughs> there you go. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a blanket a book guy myself. I go, there's Wally. Time for bed. Uh, right. Hey, <laughs> woman, <laughs> <laughs> match. <laughs> so he tries to trash talk on his early on. Forearm spinning, corner kick. Aubrey got distracted. Cameron got involved. To be honest, I thought you were going to say, I've found a magazine of the bushes and I'm going to jack it. So that's better for you than I expected. Either or. <laughs> Where's Wally or Grod? <laughs> Just <laughs> which one is it? Just nothing properly. <laughs> I found Wally, now where's my Willie? Uh, yeah. Willow Nightingale. Got Waldo. For our American, yeah, Waldo, our American yeah. viewers and listeners. Waldo. Waldo. Hey, Waldo. <laughs> get, in the, get in the ring, Waldo. You say WCW is fake, Waldo. Bill Vaughn's down bad when he's looking for Waldo and he sees a bird on there and he's like, oh, God, hang on. <laughs> what, was, what was Wally's missus' name? Wanda. Yeah, I think something like that, yeah. I think. <laughs> I'll, I'll double check. Wanda could go. <laughs> So, Will and I go got isolated going yeah. into the break because of camera interfering. Uh, finally came back, hit um, Hart and Blue with a double clothesline. Statlander comes in, cleans house, takes out Saray with a spinning fisherman's driver for a two count. Match breaks down. Uh, baby faces eventually hit a quadruple suplex once Julie Hart remembers which side she's meant to be on. Oh, we don't pick on botches on this podcast, but that was, that was just funny because I like the champion. idea. Of, like, I, she's I like a the champion. idea of them all walking up and she goes, and then one of them going. We're doing this side. I hate that spot to begin with. Yeah. And when you botch a spot that I'm predisposed to hating, when you're a champion, I was like, oh. Like, all, like you know there's all communication go on in the head. Like, yeah. In the other side. <laughs> Get on the other side. 
Um, they all hit big moves. Uh, Statlander finishes with a rolling German. I, I, I forgot I've been corrupted. <laughs> <laughs> um, Anna Jay and uh, Julie Hart are left as the the legal women. They stare each other down. Big slugfest. Jay puts in a queen slayer. Sky Blues made the blind tag though, and she just goes, "Okay, I'll just queen slayer you instead." Uh, Anna Jay gets the tap out and uh, gets the victory for her team. I will say that obviously it was going to pale in comparison to the superior match earlier in the night. It was pretty layout-wise. You're not going to get at anything remarkably different. Um, yeah, that weird botch, which was distracting. This broke down, however, in like a really pleasing way. Like The positioning and the timing was all really well done, I thought. I had fun with it just when he's seen Willow do the pounce. It's like, well, I saw you do a similar arrangement in the prior match. I don't know. I just thought it was if this was first on... I think that was the way around, but mm-hmm. we know what way around it goes in AEW. Indeed. Thunder in, Rosa. Uh, light. Thunder Rosa had the like the benefit of the cope, she sharp. of the cope contrast. It was she like, looks wow, sharp. She is not just back, she's still a massive star. I'd like her to start asking for that. Like British Bulldog, where's my title shot? Where's my title shot? Where's the sh- my title shot? And on that, by the way, proper AEW this. This was the match for what it was for the tribute night for dailies and all that. Again, they built in an energy title shot to it. That's really cool. Yes, mm. that's like make it matter still. Mm, Another yeah. like oh, trend towards the wins and losses matter again and rankings. And it's yeah. good, good that. It's a title shot on Battle of the Bells, but yeah. Um, <laughs> Wally <laughs> Wilmer, he's telling lies. Wilmer, who got replaced by her identical twin sister Wenda. So I want to know what's gone on there. A contractual yeah, dispute has happened. Um, Woof, Oddlaw, which is, of course, Waldo spelled backwards. Because it couldn't be Yilau. <laughs> yeah. uh, he's uh, arch nemesis, of course. So. I, liked, I like, o- like Oddlaw was like, where's Wally in his WrestleMania gear? Because yeah. he's flipped the colours up. He's like a bee. I don't know anything about this. Black and yellow gear instead of, like, the where's Wally colours. And there was another dog called uh, Arfolomew. I didn't realise that was narrative. Oh, yeah. There's a, there's a great <laughs> in where's Wally. Yeah, because once you've found Wally... It's like, well, it's like my son asking about the videos. I'm going to throw that away. <laughs> yeah. But there's other characters to find. And Woof the dog was just a tail, so it was really there tricky is. to find. There's Odd Law. Look at him. Ugh. <laughs> find him as well sometimes. Oh, there, there's Woof. It's like a calendar. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, suspense. It's a page turner. After February, yeah. it's March. <laughs> Wheeler Utah bangs on about something. I thought, oh, God. And then I remembered it was on Rampage. So I was like, oh, that's fine. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. No, I'm joking. He challenged Eddie Kingston no, for a continental title match. I don't really care. It's just he was like, I'm the king of Rampage. And I was like, is that really an achievement? I mean, no one watches this show. Not being funny, right? Or I'm going to flip, reverse it. <laughs> <laughs> that's the Wonka trailer where he got buried. <laughs> it's good that someone wants to be the king suppose, of Rampage. Yeah. You know what I'm sick of? And I know it's a gimmick now. They were just stuck in the rampage dimension. <laughs> Man, I want to be on Dynamite and get the ratings up on there. It's like, you shouldn't want to be stuck yes. on national television when you should be lucky to have a job and be employed. No! No, no, no! And TNT if you, you know paying what? average quarter hour. I'm the one they call. <laughs> if you're such a luminary, such a luminary of the business... And you deserve more respect and you're a tag team goat. Pick a f***ing Hardy's match that's good without a ladder, by the way. You can't do it. It's like a whisper in the wind these days, huh? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean, though? If you're such a luminary of the biz, and I know you're doing a gimmick, 
But, you know, people do think of them as such, you know. Mm. People whose, uh, you know, knowledge of the business is derived entirely from WWE DVDs released in the early 20th, uh, 21st century, right? But called like best tag teams ever, where like DX are number one. Ah, <laughs> yeah. Sean and Triple H did it. Number three, it's got to be the Brothers of Destruction. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? If you're, if you're that switched on, yeah. right, and that clever, right, why burying your own TV show? <laughs> I'm a heel. Ever heard of it? <laughs> Doesn't wash with me, no. that excuse. When you put over the show that you're on, you Vince-pilled morons. I'll go back to the Fed. It's got to be like MLW next for them. I can't, I can't go, have them go back to on da, Raw. Go to TNA, please. To yes. No, as long as the young bucks are there, they'll still have jobs. Roderick Strong versus Brian Keith. Um, Keith got a bit of offense in, but it was mainly Roderick Strong here. Um, he uh, he caught a charging Strong early on, did uh, did Keith with a boot, some chops, sent Strong to the floor. Um, Strong hit a really brutal backbreaker on the edge of the apron to come back. It's an angle slam. Once a superplex. Keith fought that off, though, with a nice diamond dust. He wanted a Tiger driver, uh, but Strong just nailed him with a jumping knee. End of heart, it gets the victory. Post-match, Adam Cole sits down in the middle of the ring and said when he said things would change, he meant that. Talks about Strong being a 20-year... It's funny it didn't change from last week's promo. <laughs> Strong is a 20-year veteran, uh, and the international title's got his name all over it. Tamer and Bennett are the greatest ROH tag team champions of all time. They don't get the respect they deserve. Uh, and then he says, the, what about the monster dominator Wardlow? Finally surrounded by people who respect him, and when the time is right, we are going to win the AW World title. Cole tells the fans to say hello to their new kingdom. Get comfortable, because they're going to be there for a very long time. <sighs> I felt like a threat. Felt like a threat yet again, right? It's hard to take them seriously as a unit because the characters feel like they don't have much agency because they've assembled for the core purpose of retaliating against MGF. Now, the purpose can't exist because MGF himself, the character, no longer exists. Well, they got the belt off him. It's like, right, we can disband now. <laughs> We're together. Exactly. Job done. Yeah. So now they have to appear like they are, like they want to be together. And that they've got an aim that extends beyond MGF. Taking over. I, I don't buy I don't buy it. No, same. Do not buy it at all. This whole thing has been a mess. Like this the only thing they can do at this point is go back in time. Don't do anything with the devil and just treat Adam Cole's injury as a write-off. And it's one of those where it's like you can't even take him seriously as like the cerebral genius who has this master plan. Because like, what was the master plan? Right, what we're gonna do, me and you, Roddy. So we're going to film some horrific, unfunny comedy vignettes in which the joke is that you are so insufferable that I just get bored of you. And that way, we'll convince MGF that we're not in cahoots and then we'll all do this and we'll ah, that's a load of crap. This is, it's giving firm. It is giving firm. And can you imagine, right? This is how bad it is. Can you imagine, right? You're 14 years old. Obviously, now, if you say DX have gone forever, I'll probably jack it in celebration, <laughs> right? You're 14 years old, right? And suddenly you go, watching Raw, and say, oh, I've just decided to pin off DX. You'd be like, oh, but I liked it when they told people to suck their gag. You know what I mean? Yeah. You'd be good if, like, they went away forever. Yeah. And it's like, oh, you know, the NWO 1996, are they gone? You'd think, why? Mm. Why get rid of them? They're so cool. They're, like, they're, they're the important act. If next week they said, oh, Undisputed Kingdom, gone, would anyone go, oh, no. <laughs> I think everyone would be, like, relieved. Yeah. It, I, this was I like the match for what it was, you know. Yeah. Four minutes yeah. of, uh, I knew you wouldn't. No, it was fine. Yeah, whatever. Like, <laughs> I 
I, I love Strong a lot, but like... Because he was like, in NXT. Posh. Yes! <laughs> almost entirely because he was in NXT. No, no, he, like, I like, uh, I like vintage... Oh, because he did NXT-adjacent stuff in AEW. I like vintage Puro clipping together matches so they're quicker on X as much as the next guy, but, like, this is like a Boots and Trunks group until it's not. Mm. Like, the match on Collision, which I've since watched, had the same problem as this for me. You shouldn't really just be like... Uh, there's, a, there's an element of retribution of signing their Raw contracts to... right. Time for the Undisputed Kingdom Dad Devils to start getting some <laughs> rankings winning matches on the board. It's like you're slotting into this world quite gently here, lads, for this like sort of transgressive, dangerous. It just creed. feels like doesn't work. It's I don't a, it think. just feels like a complete non-starter. They where, might get there. Where anything they do, the cool has thrived in this kind of rule before. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, Diana Prasso's backstage with Renee Paquette saying how she's still on cloud nine after last week and if Tony Storm wants to act like she doesn't know who she is she'll have her people send her a screener of her AW debut which goes down on collision this week uh, and Red Velvet walked in to challenge her we'll preview that on the AW collision preview tomorrow of course and then it was time for the main event Sting and Darby Allen versus Powerhouse Hobbs and Kanosuke Takeshita um, Justin Roberts introduced Rick Flair oh Jim Ross joined commentary as well and this was just bonkers, as, I, as we mentioned before. It was tornado tag rules. Uh, they all brawl into the crowd. Um, they pair off Sting and Hobbs and Alan and Takeshita. Sting put Hobbs on a road case and slammed him into some trash cans or some just pointed him all over the place. Takeshita lays out Alan with chops and taunts Flair. So Alan drop kicked Takeshita off the apron, went for a coffin drop, but Takeshita caught him and hit a rolling German on the floor to take us a picture oh, in picture. Yeah. Um, uh, Darby Allen tries to come back when we come back and Takeshita and Hobbs hit a double team flipping power slam before launching him across the ring with this ridiculous I, I don't know if this did you call it a leg and a wing at school the, the thing that they did where they swung him like that we well, always used to call it that I don't think I ever did that to another child oh monster. didn't you yeah we didn't no, let him go he was just swinging him back alright oh, okay but uh, yeah and I was terrified he was Darby Allen was going to clip the, well he sort of did Hit the bottom rope with his neck. I think it happened when I was at school. It, like, it wouldn't have been labelled. It would have just been like some put, get him! And then <laughs> yeah. do that and then put him down. That, like, in a wing. I can't remember. I remember that one. Yeah. Uh, but it, Sounds hard, it, it makes sense. Yeah. And they would just, but Darby Allen was just like, okay, when you hit the real high point, the YouTube massive lights, I'd go, wee. Like you so went like, yeah, that was great. It was like that. <laughs> uh, so Sting's all alone. So he fights for his team. It's great. Stinger splashes, but he gets hit with a Takeshita jumping knee. So Ric Flair says, time for me to get involved. He climbs in the ring and tries to chop Hobbs, and he just looks at him. It's the best. Uh, so Ric Flair po pokes him in the eye. Sting gets rid of Takeshita. Uh, Darby Allen hits a dive to the floor, and Sting drops Hobbs with a spine buster. Uh, they all fight to the stage. Hobbs sends Sting into the big structure. Uh, Allen dodged a Takeshita charging knee, and he hits the guardrail. He climbs up onto the stage, leapt off, huge coffin drop. Uh, Hobbs grabs Sting, walks him over to the edge of the stage, and there's those tables that have been set up, I think, during the break with the Sting eyes on them. Um, goes to kill him, basically. <laughs> Sting counters, hits a scorpion death drop off the stage, through the tables. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Drapes an arm over Powerhouse Hobbs and gets the one, two, three for his team. Um, we'll talk about it all in one, one go here because Shivani comes to the ring and says, you know, what an amazing performance. We're heading towards your final match at Revolution. Who are your opponents going to be? And the Young Boxers music hits. They walk out looking like huge arseholes. Which is a positive sign. Yes. Yeah. Black and white jackets, mustaches, and just a look that makes you want to 
see them get destroyed by Sting and Dolby Allen, obviously, like you say. No words said, just a stare down, and it looks like they're the ones set for Sting's retirement match at Revolution. Yeah, a couple of things. You're welcome for the dream match that I boot. <laughs> it was it always was gonna, I think it was always going to be this. They've looked yeah. at how the Young Bucks, what they did for Sting and Forbidden Door, and I'll get into that. Imminently. Remember us trying to get the belts on uh, either Sting and Derby or the Young Bucks this to be a tag title match. This like goes that far back ago, when like, they were number one contenders. Yeah. The match itself, I loved, and I'm not a safety police guy. Um, bit of a sicko, really, <laughs> at times. I'm kind of glad this runs nearing its end because, like, it's been there's been a few. Like when he was jumping off balconies and then getting up, I was never bothered. It's fine. It's been a few, more than one occasion recently where he looks gassed and done in there. Like, done. Get him out of there. He's done. Hence why this retirement tour is happening. There was a moment midway through the match when the referee looked a little bit <laughs> concerned and commentary, and that filtered the commentary. And he got back up and did a Scorpion death drop off the concrete <laughs> stage. But more than one, it's drama, and I was gripped, but it's. I'm glad this is nearing its end, and I can get guilt-free joy out of it knowing that it's kind of... Because it, it, it's time. Like, it's it's very obvious when you're watching these matches with Sting now. It's time. And look, it is. It is. It's time. Mm. I just continue to admire the construction. There's some genius, wrestling genius at play when it comes to these Sting party matches. Like, so you had the, the pair off, um, Takeshita and Darby Allen. The lesser effect than last week, but there's still some cool stuff. Yeah. Show their psychochemistry. It's just a really cool level of thought that goes into these sting things, and it's proper wrestling. It's what can you do that isn't a bump? <laughs> in some ways, that's what wrestling is. Yeah. And then it's like, right, okay, walk and brawl, drape Hobbs over a what are they called? Like flight case. Flight case. Yes, I had to Google it, and I've forgotten it because we're recording so late from the review mm. ups and downs. Whatculture.com slash WWE. It's a transcript of this. <laughs> He drapes Hobbs over that and goes, Wee! And then he just takes this kind of a stumble onto the concrete. And it's like, that's cool. You got the young guy with a big back who can take the bump, and Sting just does nothing really, yeah. but does something that's within the chaos of it all that's really cool and fun. Then something happens off screen. It's like, oh, Sting, okay. And you get a bit scared. And then it's fine. He's up. He does a Stinger splashes, which don't even have the same. Flight and impact as it did two years ago, the spring. They don't have the same spring as even two years ago. But luckily, there is an emotional weight that matters more than that. Then, you know, do that spot. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't spin around. Now I'm left without a pen. It was awesome. It was the tits. Then makes their way to the stage. Darby Allen does a psycho coffin drop, which didn't really get caught. Mm. Guess it's fine. <laughs> and then we get the Scorpion death like drop. That, well, the distance was, quite frankly, misjudged. <laughs> and it was still awesome, but yeah. I got a bit of a tinge of guilt and glad it's nearing its end. But my God, this is just really cool. On the Young Bucks, right. They're the perfect opponents. We've seen the Sting balcony dives and the table spots and all the rest of it. Other than the start of the Forbidden Door match where Sting jumped off the tunnel. It didn't peak. That match is pretty exclusively in the ring. I don't even think there was a table spot. And it was the best actual, close to an actual match that Sting's worked 
in his AEW run, this magic AEW run, and realistically, Sting's class, obviously, he's got the psychology, the when to do Sorry, things. was that uh, Bullet Club versus Dudes with Attitudes? Yeah. yeah I was just so sure. goddamn great. Well, I couldn't remember if there was a second one. It was the best Sting match in AEW, and the least shortcut Sting match yeah. in AEW, other than maybe the FTR Grand Slam one, right? Um, so the, the Young Bucks are the best opponents, the absolute best opponents, right? Because Sting's role now isn't as of a wrestler. He is a spot monkey <laughs> who does party matches, and that's the weird, inexplicable, incredulous magic about it, right? On that basis, legitimately... Sting in a match against the Young Bucks in 2024 is as perfect as Sting versus Ric Flair in 1988 and Sting versus Vader in 1992 as an actual matchup. Mm. It is, it just is. So everyone who says the Young Bucks shouldn't get it are completely wrong. Their creation of movement for Sting mm. in Forbidden Door 2022 is what Sting needs yeah, in how to get the best out of Sting. Like, There's some idiots, Matt Coon, obvious. who are completely against <laughs> it. Who are, you know, they change their mind or whatever. It's the best possible match. It's going to be awesome. And just very quickly, I'm going to, before we tweet it, they should, because of the young books and who they've idolized and how it's a retirement match, do I'm sorry, I love you, a proper parody piss take of it. I'm sorry. You know, like, like, I need my older brother. Yeah. Like, that kind of thing. I'm sorry. I love you. Super kick to Sting. Pops up. No sells it. That's I love it. a great it's spot. That, like, IMO. we've already seen, not this version of the books, but a very similar one, like, retiring their best friend, Christopher Daniels. Like, we've seen a version of the, what this match is. And we know, obviously, the Young Bucks can be 50 different versions of it. One crow, one surfer, or...? <laughs> I, I'd like to see Sting halfway through like the, how the WWE would play with it sometimes where all of a sudden he's just oh, I can't be this now like goes under the ring comes back out and he's like just all his hair's gone and his body <laughs> it's going anyway I'm finishing up tonight I mentioned this this morning my my immediate thought when it was confirmed because we've had this rattling around for a while thinking this was going to be the match is just as soon as you saw them on screen together I was like man the Young Bucks need this as much as Sting yes Sting needs help to make this match feel mm -hmm. special and I think he'd admit that as much as anybody the Young Bucks will get so much of an aura recharge from this match. They will remind everybody who they are because it's been a while since we had a match like that. And they're going to just be positioned on the level for the first time in a while, like a lot of people want them at all the time, mm -hmm. which is, like, this could headline. The Young Bucks never, to this day, got their straight-up tag match in the main event of a pay-per-view, which was as good as a launch promise, wasn't it? And they never did it. And... WWE got there first with the tag match at WrestleMania 39, and this is where they get it, and it's going to be so good for them, as good for them as it is for Sting. Night one. <laughs> Let us know your thoughts on AW Dynamite Homecoming uh, on X at WhatCultureWWE. Actually, you can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflet at Michael Hamflet. Follow Michael Sidgwick at. Do you like the match, the main event? What of this? Oh, it's, yeah, it's good. You've covered, like, you covered it. <laughs> you articulated a way that I have nothing else to add. Okay. I'm kind of over it, if I'm honest. Yeah. Like, I'm over the Sting Pipe match. It's nice. I wouldn't have booked it. At M. Sidgwick. <laughs> you can follow me at... I'm over WWE. So. Uh, follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. <laughs> follow our brilliant editor, Phil, at PhilMyChambers. And make sure you subscribe to WhatCultureWrestling, wherever you get your podcasts from, uh, for daily wrestling podcasts. Uh, me and Sidgwick will be back tomorrow to preview AW Collision. And hey, who knows? Maybe even Battle of the Belts. Uh, but for now, this has been the Dynamite Review. My thanks to Hamlet Sidgwick. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 